0: geology 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 welcome to mini geology where we put in connection geology with society at large i am daniel Minizini, your inquisitive geologist volunteering for the houston community station kpft fm and fm and hd1 today uh, we are in conversation with the exceptional case of uh, nick isles and caroline isles yes wife and husband both Extraordinary geologist uh, living in Canada. Nick, uh, professor at the University of Toronto, Scarborough, and Caroline, professor at McMaster University, both glacial sedimentologist <laughs> and both with a passion for communicating and explaining geoscience to the public, which is what I like to do here in mini geology and that is the main reason we have them in here in mini geology talking to all of you so thank you very much Nick and Carolyn Carolyn can you uh, briefly describe Nick professionally
1: that's kind of impossible really <laughs> can i describe nick well um He's extremely passionate about geology. I can tell you that and it it, um, it basically is the the tick of his life um, it keeps him going it, it uh, winds him up and it keeps him moving. Um, what else can I say about him? He's a he's a great communicator too in terms of um, I think Nick has made uh, huge strides in actually, doing what we're saying we should be doing is communicating the importance of geoscience to the public and all of the public. Um, So he's done great uh, works in in some of the books that he's created and the fact that Nick's always keen to go out in the field and talk to people, give talks um, that are aimed to a different audience than necessarily an academic audience. Um, So I think that's one of the things that I can say who Nick is. Um <laughs> he's he's been very good at doing that.
0: <laughs> Nick, Nick, I won't go, can go Nick, any further. <laughs> can you briefly describe Caroline?
1: Um,
2: well, Carolyn's my rock. And um I can best describe her by telling you about how we met. Um, I was finishing my PhD in England, I I was interested in glaciers, and uh, I led a very monkish existence working on glaciers and writing up the results, and then we met, um, I I think it was my last few weeks uh, of doing my PhD, and uh, Lynn was leading an expedition to Iceland and came to see me to get some advice on what Iceland is like, so... We met and then I said, what the hell? I, I always wanted to hitch across the States. Uh, do you want to come with me? And uh, she said, yes. And that, that was, we did a lot of geology and we got to know each other. And uh, so that was our, our beginning. But we, we've tried to do things together. Um, even you know when we were raising kids, we had sabbaticals abroad, we always took the kids. And, and it, in many ways, it's been easy, easier for both of us, because you know it's difficult in marriages where one is a geologist and one isn't. And um, so all our holidays—well, we don't have holidays. <laughs> it's all fieldwork, research-related fieldwork. We drag the kids along, and mm-hmm. um, so we, we we we're we're joined at the hip. I, and i i i bounce my ideas off Carolyn and vice versa and she's the first person that i i go to and whose advice i perhaps treasure more than anybody else's so she's my rock
0: <laughs> are you a, a couple that uh really looks like each other or they are completely different? Like me and my wife, we are like North Pole, South Pole, completely different. If I like, like the solid soaps, she likes the liquid soap. I like, you know, completely different. So <laughs> what about you?
1: Ah, uh, we have we have quite a few differences, but there's quite a few similarities, too. We both like the same kind of living environment and so forth. But um, he's a beer drinker i and wine drinker. Um,
2: I like motorcycles. She hates them.
1: Yeah. So there are certain (laughs) things that we we don't like. uh, We each of our preferences. um, But generally speaking, we have more or less the same kind of aims and objectives. We both love traveling. um, We both enjoy our family. um, We both enjoy the outdoors. So yeah we've got think, a lot of similarities I
2: think we both realize that life is short it's a big planet mm-hmm. and there's a lot to explore and I think if, we, if we, I think we pass that sense of um inquiry onto our kids and and it's what we try and do with students
0: mm-hmm. that
2: you know you put them in landscapes well how did this landscape come to be and they they do say years later well, I can't drive past a rock now without wondering how old it is and how it got there. And you think, well, that's great.
0: (laughs) What are the the problems in in your family, the ones related to your profession? You have, like, you are, both of you, uh, very high in your profession, probably at the apex right now. What, What are the problems you have in your family related to your profession?
1: Hmm. Actually, I think we've been very fortunate with our professions. Yeah. In that, yeah. Um, Our profession is very self-driven, so it's it's reliant on yourself to actually um, push yourself to do what you need to do. So, we don't have anybody telling us what we have to do. We're both um, kind of we're both self-reliant. Um, so. I think we've been very fortunate in that. We've been very fortunate in being able to determine what we do with our time and when we do it. So I think one of our downfalls is we tend to work too much. We, we spend a lot of time in the study here working, um, but it's because we, we both feel that this is the time we can spend on work. We do take time off when we need to, Um, But I think in terms of our profession, we've been, we've both been very fortunate in being able to have uh, a lot of freedom uh, in being able to self-direct how we want to take our careers. Um, And I think that's been, that's been a positive move for both of us.
0: You have a, a son and a daughter, right? Yes. What, what, what do they think about geology? (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's it. It's an interesting one our daughter um, is much more amenable to um, our our discipline area. She actually um, came to McMaster University and has a degree in geography and environmental science. So she came on field trips with us. She's done a lot of work and she's actually now working in the environmental area for um, a company son didn't want anything to do with geology. Um, after he'd been used a scale on so many geological <laughs> photographs, he said, no, nope, I'm not interested in this at all. So he's now in the construction business. And he's um, actually, actually, yes. he has said he is a little bit interested now because he's asked us about some of the foundation yeah. materials that he's, investigating for buildings. So it's actually coming around and he's realising that maybe his buddy-daddy old parents may have some importance after all,
0: so... Uh.
2: But he's, he's involved as a project manager on what will be Canada's tallest uh, condominium, and uh, so they have it has a very deep foundation, so they've gone all the way down a the bedrock, they've gone through very complicated glacial sediments, they've had problems with drainage, and so he's, he's actually had to read consultants' reports. And we've had some discussions about the geology.
0: <laughs> and Nick, uh, Caroline, what, what do you teach to your, to your son and daughter? What do we teach them? I think we've,
1: we've taught them always just to be uh, very open to what they love doing themselves. I mean, it's something that we've always said is the way to be successful is to do the things that you love doing and you get most satisfaction from. Um, we've never pushed them in any one direction. We've kept doors open um, and we've all, I think in both of them, we've instilled a love of travel. Mm-hmm. Um, And they have moved around a lot with us. (laughs) Um, Certainly a respect for the planet is something that we have instilled in them. But um, yeah, I think that's about...
2: I think just something as simple as work ethics, too, you know?
0: What do you mean by that? Uh,
2: Put the time in. Be professional.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, It's difficult to... uh,
2: to label it but I think it comes down to that actually and uh, as Lynn said uh, always do something that you find interesting rather than something that's going to pay you a lot of money but you're going to get bored with it one day and that's the message we tell our students too that you're going to mm-hmm. be in this game a long time and um, you know you need to be interested and passionate about what you do to carry you through you know the the bad times the low times in, in your career and all that sort of stuff. And, and not necessarily go for the the status jobs or what your parents want you to do or what your peers want you to do. So I think, yeah, we've been very, we've been hands-off with them. And our parents were the same, actually. When we look back as, at our childhoods, our parents were very, very liberal and um, were hands-off.
0: You, you have talking about your children and, and students, you have a lot of students and uh, and you are yeah. inspired by them. When I listen to you, I yeah. read your articles. You certainly care about them and, and they admire you. So that is clear to me, uh, reading your case. <laughs> uh, what is the difference teaching students that you love so much and teaching your own kids that you love even more?
1: Mm. There's not much difference, no, actually, No, um, no. When, it, when I come to think of it. I mean, my students, they they think of me as, as the kind of mother figure in the, the lab group and the, the group of students that I work with now, because I kind of treat them the same way. Mm. Um, you encourage them, um, you you pull them up when you think they're not doing as much as they should be doing. Um, you're there for support. Um, advice and yeah I I think I treat my students very much in a similar way to those that I the the way I treat my kids Um, there's not very much difference
2: you know you go through various career stages and it's interesting being an older member of the profession because I've heard that the students like to talk to somebody who's older and and learn from experience so I, I really enjoy trying to distill what we've learned and, mm-hmm. and, you know, what we've unlearned as well to, to students, to, to give them some guidance. I, I get We both get a kick out of that because
1: mm-hmm.
2: you feel useful. <laughs> but we were heavily influenced in our early education by people. And um, mm. I think we're just simply giving back, you know, we're trying to help the modern generation uh, in the same way that people helped us.
1: And I think I think that's far more important than any publications that we've, yeah, we've written. Absolutely. It, it's not the publications. Yeah. They'll be read by a handful.
2: Yeah. It's
1: the students that we've had pass through our system. You know, yeah. they've come to uh, courses, they've joined programs, they've talked to us. Those are... Oh, that's the important aspect of our jobs in and in our work yeah. is the students that we've influenced on the way and that's going back to some of your earlier conversation that's the next generation and they're the people that will carry on and and move things forward I think and to think that we've had some kind of influence on their thinking on their background on their appreciation of the geosciences I think that's the most important thing that
2: either of us can think we've ever done. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's the essence. I think research is very competitive. It's dog-eat-dog. Dog. Um, papers come and go, they fade as they should. That's the scientific method. If things get out of date and the field moves on, whereas, you know, by books and talking to people, making documentaries and, and all the other stuff that we do, there, there is a lasting impact. You, you do affect people's lives. and we see that in the feedback that we get we get emails saying well i read this and i I liked it and i went on a holiday with my kids and we did this Uh, you know we get feedback like that all the time and that's really it's Mm -hmm. it's makes it all worthwhile
1: Mm
2: -hmm. whereas the reason the research is it's fun you're working with graduate students that you see seeing them grow professionally but the overall experience it, it's a bit like mining, doing research. You're in a you're in an edit, <laughs> whereas dealing with the public and students as a whole, you have got a landscape approach. You know what I mean? It's it's a very different experience.
0: I know I know what you mean, and I'm thinking about you when you started your careers uh, decades ago, and when you yes. met uh, that you describe uh, you uh, Nick meeting uh, Caroline or vice versa, and yeah. I was thinking about if you could talk about your experience on the gender issue, because you are two professionals, uh, male and the female, both geologists, and uh, you travel the world. And I would like to know from your point of view, um, first, Caroline, maybe, uh, about the gender issue that is so important uh, for us. To be honest,
1: I've been very fortunate in that the All of the people that I've worked with have been, let's say, gender neutral. Um, I've had very few experiences where I've actually felt that I have been discriminated against as a woman, as a female in what was originally a very male-dominated world. When I think when we went to do fieldwork in Spitsbergen, I was the only woman amongst 17 guys who were doing fieldwork. But I never felt that there was any discrimination or any um there was any, no no difference the, in the way I was treated in that way there are just only a, a handful of occasions when I can say that I was um not treated equally let's say to Nick mm, um yeah. and there was a couple of instances when um I was doing my actually I just finished my master's degree and I was presenting work on it and a colleague would only direct questions to Nick, wouldn't ask me anything. Um, that was, but very few occasions. I think the, probably the worst experience I had was when we worked in Australia the first time, and this was in 1986, 86. 86. And, um, and also a little bit later than mm-hmm. that um, in the 90s. Um, and some of the geoscientists there, would not take me in the field, um, would not talk to me directly, they pass everything through Nick. Um, and I found that quite, coming from Canada and going to Australia at that time, and actually this was in the late 1990s, yeah, 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 um, I found it very, very off-putting um, and, and concerning. but. In my home university and throughout the work I've done here in Canada, I don't think I've felt any discrimination. And I've been really encouraged by the number of women who are now coming into the geosciences. Um, We have probably more women students uh, and graduate students in the program than we do have men. And I think this this is a wonderful thing to see. Um, that we're encouraging more and more women to go
0: into the field. So, yeah, Nick, how, how did you feel when you were acting as a filter to talk to to send messages to to Carling? I
2: understood the context because um, you know we're in a place where field work was it was tough. Um, we even went through the same thing here in Canada many decades ago, and and. You know, it was dangerous work. People lost their lives in the bush, and it wasn't it wasn't seen as suitable employment for young ladies. Um, that's all changed. So, I, 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 things have moved on a lot since then. And um, I, you know, I, I think both of us are completely gender blind. Mm. It's, you know, we've got some fantastic students from all cultures, from all genders. Um, mm. It's irrelevant. I know some people would criticise that, say, "Well, you've got to notice it nowadays," but we don't. It's mm-hmm. um, everybody. We treat everybody equally on this on their merits and their ability to generate ideas, to get involved, and it's all about passion. And if they're passionate about what they do, mm-hmm. we want to work with them. You know.
0: I, I wonder, Nick, if you if you think you were fortunate or more lucky. Uh, than uh, Carolin in your career
2: yeah yeah absolutely uh, Carolyn has two careers I only have one I have a professional career and Carolyn has a career as a homemaker and you know raised our kids I I also but my role was much less um, so yeah I I've been very fortunate in that respect um,
1: but I think it worked both ways too, because even though I was working and raising the kids, Nick was always there to be able to, so we we definitely traded off raising the children between us. So I think it, it worked well for both of us. It was, I don't think either one of us has been particularly um, over be- benefiting no. from it. I think we both have benefited from it because we've been able to understand, you know, those times when you just have to just sit down and work and get things done and, you know, everything else has to, to get left. So we'd step in for each other um, when that needed to, to happen. Um,
2: And our kids too were big into sports. So my son was a big ice hockey player and I used to spend a lot of time with him driving them around. I mean, I had a car, I think we put on 400,000 kilometers. It it drove itself all over Ontario. It didn't need me. Um, And Carolyn was involved in our daughter. She was into volleyball. So we, we, you Mm -hmm. know, between us, we spent a lot of time with our kids. Um, And in fact, you know, our kids, the acid test is whether your kids, when they've left home, Want to come and visit you, <laughs> and we're very fortunate in they that do. respect. But they they enjoy our company and we love their company. And they've got two, they've got two dogs. We used to have huskies, and um, uh, we don't anymore because for a variety of reasons. And we we get a great kick out of our kids and their dogs. You know. So Nick and,
0: and Caroline, you it seems that you have a clear balance in your couple, uh, both personally and professionally. Yeah. Is that something that you talked about in the past or is something that came out naturally?
1: It just happened. It's just the way we worked. Um, we worked together when uh, before we had the kids, we we did lots of field we did all of our field work together. and even after the we had the kids. Um, it's just something that evolved. Um, wasn't ever talked about or we just did it.
2: But you know, the older you get, um, you become interested in legacy and, and what are you going to leave behind you. And you know, your discussion about research versus outreach—I um, think the older I get, I think the outreach component is mm-hmm. is becoming more and more important, touching people, um, the new generation, and all that sort of stuff. Um, I, I I think that's more important than. The research side of it I mean we both enjoy good successful research careers we have graduate students we have good funding but but I think on us on the big picture it's the the new generation like we taught right at the beginning of the interview mm-hmm. um, it, it's leaving a legacy of people that will carry on the flame and it may be flickering right now you know geology. <laughs> I don't think the flame will go out, but it's if you can't do that, then there'll be no future of geology. So I think that's everybody. Every geologist should talk to somebody and and, and try and influence them. Um, so that's our, that's our view as we as we age. <laughs>
0: And um, you, Nika, and and Caroline, both of you, you received several awards. And um, have you ever been uh, really moved and, and touched by by any of, of these awards received?
1: I think I I think my the the award that I'm most proud of is my uh, 3M teaching award um, because it was. I was recognized on a national level as a, an educator. yeah. And and I, I think that mattered most to me because, again, a lot of my teaching is not just to geoscientists, but it's to students who've never come across uh, earth sciences before. And I get them interested, involved, and actually so many of them I've converted into geoscientists i've i've kind of polluted their minds and converted them um and i think that recognition meant the most to me yeah
2: yeah i think it's the words i've got for outreach Mm. um not research it's the outreach the, the reaching out to the public we did a documentary series with Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. And I think the total audience is still, it's 10 years old now and it's still being replayed. And I think total audience today is about more than 70 million. Um, and we had better ratings when it was shown than the news. <laughs> Mind you, it's a lot of bad news. So that's not un- entirely unexpected, but yeah. it's the outreach again, um, the, the new generation. And, and it, geology really is an easy sell. Why aren't we better at it? Because it's so exciting. I mean, there's plates bouncing around, crashing into each other, there's ancient organisms, you know, there's mountains being raised and lowered. I mean, it's an easy sell, the material sells itself. So I think we should be doing a better
0: job. We didn't study marketing, huh? So Nick, what was the most beautiful compliment that you have received?
2: uh I could tell you a story um a a graduate student and I were exploring a quarry we were looking for evidence of ancient earthquakes and we saw these disturbed layers in the walls of the quarry so we spent some time there and we were taken around by the quarry manager and um he didn't really know us and we didn't know him and uh he said, uh, oh, you're geologists. I said, We said, yes. He said, oh, I'm watching this uh, amazing TV series at the moment. Um, it's on CBC. That, that's you, isn't it? <laughs> and, you know, I thought, wow, that's great. Here's a quarry manager. He doesn't know me from Adam, but he's, he's, he's clearly excited about this stuff. And that, that, to me, and that's happened several times, actually. Um, I think that, that's demonstration of the value of what we're doing. Know, the, the people get the message and it, it, it sticks. And it, it's like, um, you've got them hooked. They're like, they're like fish, so it's very biblical actually. You, you've got them hooked and their lives are changed because you give them that that perception of a world that's always changing. And, uh, and I, I think that that is a fertile ground for then, the importance of geology to society, to the well-being of society, um, I think. But you have to have that groundwork first. Um, but, you know, that's that's my story.
1: Caroline, the biggest compliment. Um, I don't. I don't know. I think the compliments that I feel are important right now. That I that I do get are just the odd notes from students. That come back and they say thank you this was wonderful I, you you know you've opened my mind I never knew what earth science was till this year and you told me something about earth science I, I now I'm excited about it and I want to learn more and that is what makes a difference in my life
2: I can tell you about Caroline it's when you go to graduation <laughs> and the parents of the students come up to her and compliment her for, for influencing their sons and daughters and that's pretty impressive she she makes a huge impression on people on a very personal level too yeah that's
1: that's
0: what that's what i like doing that's what i kind of makes me tick i guess yeah. mm-hmm. carly uh, let me here do a crossfire in here let us know according to your knowledge what uh was a project that nick failed Mm.
1: (laughs) a project Uh, that he failed that's a long answer (laughs) (laughs) house maintenance i'd say is not his strong point um he's getting a bit better he's he's just done a pathway recently which was really good useless at cooking (laughs) I <laughs> Cannot. I will not allow him anywhere near the kitchen. He's got worse over the years.
0: Nick, <laughs> what, what do you think about you? Uh, any failed project, maybe professionally, that you want to share?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, any professional will will have failures. Um, you spend six months looking at something, and it doesn't never work out um you even do field work mm. we, you know we've got unfinished field work in various parts of the world that will never get finished because either relevance of the project or 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 the outcome seems you know uncertain so yeah absolutely
0: um when is the I, point that you take the decision to move on
2: usually at three o'clock in the morning when you're in bed and you wake up and think no it don't get to work you know <laughs> it, it's yeah it's it's it, it, yeah, it's quite common, actually. I mean, that's hypothesis testing. That's mm-hmm. what scientists do. Um, and some are going to work out and, and be successful.
0: How do you try to avoid that kind of uh, failure, if we want to call it?
2: I don't think it you can. Happen. I think it's part of the process. Yeah. And if, I think if you're not doing it, that's that's worse. Yeah, I, yeah it's, it's rejection of ideas.
1: you've got to to try things out sometimes they just fizzle away you know they kind of oh they just get less and less and less important um and so you think well yeah maybe i shouldn't be following that and sometimes you you have to say okay we're going to turn around and and you've got to stop it but you have to have that i think otherwise you're not a true scientist
0: did it Uh, happen to you too caroline Oh, yeah, there's lots of there's lots of little things that you
1: can think of. I can't think of one big particular project that's that sticks to mind. But um, there's, there's all sorts of pathways that we've kind of looked at before that you, go, you kind of go, well, that could be interesting, but then, no, maybe not, not so much. Um, but you've got to be willing to try it, you know, see what it's like, see what happens.
2: Yeah, and it's a process of discovery, and um, some of the ideas you have come in weird moments. You know, mm. um, you might be out walking, but but I think the key is to get out out in the field. That that's our lab really, where we generate a lot of our ideas, and um, it's just being inquisitive about how that particular piece of the planet evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you if if you're making discoveries, at the same time you 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 have to go up dead ends. All the, all explorers do. They they end up dead ends and have to turn around. And lots of places on the planet are named after dead ends. So it, it's it should be a natural process, and you shouldn't feel bad about it, or you you you're failing.
0: Well, uh, it, most of the times, most of the times the explorers they don't find anything. But yeah. you, it happens to me that you always feel bad. You don't well yeah <laughs> you don't feel very much good
1: much, <laughs>
2: depends on how much money and time and effort you've spent <laughs> you know you're working with students and um are people of different ability and uh, you know passion and sometimes things don't work out you got you that's that's why it's interesting mm-hmm. working with students too you really got to find the right person for the right project and
0: how do you do that? Like, how do you choose? Uh, what are your parameters to choose a good project and uh, couple it with a good student, an That's appropriate it. student?
1: One of the things yeah. that I've always found is you've got to listen to your students. Yeah. And it, it it's not just your project, it's your student's yeah. project too. So you've got to realize there's a huge reward by tapping into their expertise that may not be yours. Um, so I've had some fabulous students in the past that have been excelling in areas that I cannot, but together we can really produce a rich product. Neither one of us separately could do that, but together we can. So I think in terms of being a supervisor of research, you have to listen to your students and you have to be aware of what their interests are, uh, where their passions lie, because if you can tap into their passions and their expertise, you're on a winner. Um, So it's, it's, actually learning and listening to your students as much as anything.
2: Yeah. Um, and that, that's the fuel that keeps you going, really, because you get students that come out of nowhere uh, and they they are fantastic. Mm. Or you get students with lousy grades, mm. but they do a small research project and you think, wow, uh, they come in after the weekend and they ask questions and you can tell they've been thinking about it. And, that, and that, it's like finding a, a gold nugget been looking for six months and you find a gold nugget and um i think that's what keeps you going mm. and why retirement is it's going to be tough <laughs> <laughs> because you don't have that stimulation of of uh, finding new brains and nurturing them so that's, that's one of the great pleasures of our job.
0: Talking about stimulation, sometimes we're stimulated by criticism and actually the peer review is about criticizing the work. Uh, Nick, what, yeah. what was the hardest criticism that you have received?
2: Ooh, we've had a lot. Oh, we've had a lot <laughs> and it still goes on. If you're a good scientist, you're upsetting somebody, not deliberately, but you know that's the scientific method. You, you're trying to winnow out hypotheses so yeah we've had well (laughs) our first work was we spent a lot of time on around modern glaciers at a time when not much was known about them and certainly how they move sediment and all that so we used that knowledge we came back to canada and we we've got the record of a big ice sheet many ice sheets in the past and uh we we came up with new interpretations and they were deeply unpopular Um, amongst the more traditional geologists and um, so we're used we're used to controversy Um, we're used it's like being on stage you get used to lousy reviews but you know it's all part of the process Um, but the science advances uh, you have to have debate otherwise you know if there's no debate science is dead and you don't want to be part of it so
1: and I think my my advice is, is also um, persevere. Yeah. And there's some things that we were criticized deeply and heavily for, for ideas when we first came up with ideas about how to describe sediments in a different way. Uh, and everybody was going, no, 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 you can't yeah. possibly do this. No, 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 this is wrong, wrong, wrong. Now everybody uses a kind of methodology of describing sediments, but it took it took five 10 years for this to get into the system and for people to to use it. Um, But it was was very hard at first when we um, were first getting this reaction from everybody else to our work. Um, So you have to persevere and you have to maintain belief in yourself and confidence in what you're doing as long as you believe that it really is okay. Um, And yeah. Just be strong through that, but criticism is good. It keeps you on your toes. Uh, The peer review process is flawed in some ways. Um, It's not perfect, but it certainly helps you question your own beliefs and say, well, why did I think that? And maybe I'm not explaining that particular element properly, or maybe I've missed something in that. So I think the peer review process is harsh um, and can be painful, but it ultimately is beneficial.
0: Carling, uh you talk a lot about how you treat the students, uh, what are the concepts behind your research. Uh, uh, do you have a, a role model that you look at that helps you in your profession, in, in your life? Oh,
1: I don't think I had a single role model. I think I was very fortunate in having Nick as a partner that we could work on things together. And so in many ways, um, I think that partnership overcame the need for a role model. But I was very fortunate when I started at McMaster that I had senior colleagues who were very understanding of uh, a young woman starting work with um, young children, um, which was very unusual at that time because A, there were very few women in geosciences and I don't think anybody had had children as a professor in a geoscience department when when I did. Um, They were very supportive and um, even though they weren't direct role models, I would say they were, incredibly important in that growth of uh, me as a professional because they were supportive and helped when I just needed somebody to say yes you're doing the right thing <laughs> so I didn't have a single role
0: model you Nick
2: I have several actually I was at school in London you know in the urban jungle and we had, I was about 16 at the time. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And we had a, a new teacher arrive at the school. And he was a geologist. Brand new degree from Leicester University. And we went on f- weekend field trips. And I just loved it. Um, and I, 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 he changed my life. There's no doubt about that. And then I did graduate work Um with a guy called Roger Slatt, who you will know, and a guy called Bob Rogerson. And um, Roger taught me, I think, how to think and write. And Bob just got me excited um, about science. And I, I still go, think back about those two and, and the experience of school as role models.
0: Nick and, and Caroline, you both tell stories. We mm-hmm. all do. Uh, But you do it particularly well. Uh, So now, what would you say to the listeners? What are the key ingredients of your stories? What are the main actions to mix the ingredients? How do you cook them to have a a good story so that everybody that writes a technical paper can change methodology and tell the story differently?
1: You have to be aware of your audience, I think. Think about the people that you're talking to. And so the stories change according to who you're speaking to and who you're trying to communicate with. So um, a story would be different if I was teaching a group of first year students to teaching maybe a group of graduate students or going out to the public. You, You just add different nuances to the story to make it relevant to their lives. Um, and their situations um, and I, th- I think storytelling is the most important part of teaching actually. It's packaging information in a in, in a parcel that is, it has a beginning a center and an end and it seems relevant to the person that you're talking to. So I think storytelling is probably the most important element of what we do. Um, We do it in different ways. Our research papers are different stories and they're written in a technical way, but then you have to translate that into um, a language that students will understand. So you are translating and making a different story or you're telling maybe the same story, but in a different way when you're communicating that with students. Yeah. All the public.
2: Yeah, it's science by stealth. Because in a big undergraduate class, if you tell stories about where you went, what you were doing, who you met with, all the incidents that happened to you, all the near accidents, and all that stuff, they get interested and they absorb the science. They don't realize they're doing it, but they do. And then when it comes to writing technical research papers, it's it's getting tougher because it seems so dry. You don't you never see your audience. Um, so I, I, I'm finding it personally more and more difficult to um to, to, to address to be, research to be
1: motivated.
0: <laughs> Actually let me you have a very eclectic uh, careers even if as a couple you are both uh, glacial sedimentologist right not only sedimentologist but a specific facet of the sedimentologist but then together like a like a unique organism instead i think that you are very eclectic and so you go from the very technical, high-ranked scientific publications to the books, to the general research, uh, funding the money, um, comparing and contrasting modern and ancient systems, the public outreach, looking, as you said, to the right student for the right project, Mm. uh, trying to involve the local communities impacted by the urban sediments a lot. You can read a lot of that. So how do you handle your career? How can you explain to the others when is the right moment to do what? Oh,
1: Take up opportunities when they arise. That's what I think we've always done. We've we've um, things have arisen. There's been an opportunity, for example, we were offered to the opportunity to go to Brazil to do some work with Petrobras. So rather than saying, well, we'll think about it. So yeah, we'll go. Mm -hmm. And so you take that opportunity, but that leads to other opportunities. And so it's almost like a chain reaction. Things happen um, one after the, see, I don't ever think that we've really controlled our careers. I think we've been able to respond to stimuli that have appeared at different times. And sometimes those stimuli are students. So maybe a student comes across our doorstep uh, with a particular set of skills. And so our research tends to move in that direction for a little while. Mm. Um, So I think it's being open to opportunities and to be willing to follow pathways that maybe you haven't followed before. Um, And that's what I think makes it there's a richness to being able to do that, because uh, you're never focused in 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 one particular niche. You can you can move around, but I'd say it hasn't been managed. It's been opportunistic.
2: Um, so I think it, it's the opportunities may be narrowing in the profession. Um, people want to know what the outcomes are, and and you very often you just don't know it's that you know testing ideas that we talked about earlier on some are going to work some aren't you get the right student for the right project or you don't um so I think it's becoming a little bit more difficult I think we we enjoyed a lot of freedom mm-hmm. um at a time when geology was important it goes back to that you know but I think
1: the importance um, of geology now is, is it's kind of I think it's spreading. It's it's It's, it's widening. morphing. It is morphing. And particularly in environmental, all kind of environmental areas. So it could be from, you know, anything from contamination to landslides to earthquakes, whatever. I think it, it's that how does geology impact society is is our main the main way we should be thinking of moving forward, because that's how students are gonna get engaged. That's how the public, and that's how maybe we'll influence governments at some time um, by taking that strong attack of geology and society. Yeah, I'd love to write
2: a book called Why Geology Matters, where you sort of spell out for, for the guy next door or the guy on the bus or whatever why it, why it's important that our society would fold overnight if it wasn't for somebody out in the bush looking for minerals and then developing
0: so are you, you writing know. this book i, I
2: <laughs> want to <laughs> Just a
0: okay call us when you need something we're gonna feed you <laughs> and and um, we're almost uh, at the top of the hour of the recording, um, I'd like to ask you a, another couple of personal things, Nick, what are you afraid of?
2: Running out of ideas, waking up in the morning not being inquisitive about what's happening in the bigger world geologically, um, not wanting to travel, uh, you know, that's what I fear.
1: L- you, Caroline? Know, I don't know. Not being able to do what I want to do, I think. Um,
2: another pandemic.
1: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't like another a pandemic because it, it's been very hard not having to be able to be face to face with our students and to be so remote from our students. That's been a that's been a hard shift this past year. And
0: uh, what are you proud
1: of? I'm very proud of our family. Um, our kids. I'm very proud of. Um, I think our whole careers have been something that I feel I feel proud of. Um, I I do. I think we've um, we've had an impact where I think it's counted. We've enjoyed it on the way, and it's it's never felt like a a struggle. It's been it's been it's been fun. Um, So I'm I'm very proud of the kind of um, educational impact we've been able to
0: have on a large number of students, a large number of people. Unique, what are you proud of?
2: Yeah, I think it's engaging students through fieldwork, seeing the responses of students when they're placed in an environment which they're not used to and the sort of feedback that you get many years later, that the experience they had on a field camp made them turn them into geologists. You know, I think, wow, that, that's, mm-hmm. that, that's as good as it gets. You know, forget all the papers you published,
0: yeah. all the
2: books you've written. It, it's that the next generation that you've had mm-hmm. some sort of impact. So that's, that's what I'm proud
0: of. Mm-hmm. A- any regrets? Life's too short.
1: No, I don't have any regrets. <laughs> I, I don't think I would have done anything different. Um, I've always kind of taken the approach to life that, no, you should live it without any regrets. And um,
0: take opportunities when you can and enjoy the journey. We, we all have dreams. So what is your dream? Dream.
1: to be able to travel again Yes. to be able to hug my kids hug my students um, go freely around anywhere without any restrictions Um, yeah my dream is to, to be free again without any of these COVID restrictions but yeah hopefully that will be soon
2: yeah my dream is for the US border to open (laughs) <laughs> I, I I like motorcycling. I like going on long trips, particularly down into the American Southwest. I I love that area. I love the history. I love the geology, and to me, that's part of a, my life that's cut out right now. So, my dream is that I can go back there and explore that on a motorcycle again.
0: Well, we will wait for you in here, in this area of the back. <laughs> <There it is. laughs> Come to the Southwest, we're going to meet there and talk more about geology. Absolutely.
2: We'll Uh, we'll make a date.
0: And so now you have an open mic, as I uh, promised before. And Nick and Caroline, the the audience is yours uh, listening to you, and the mic is yours as well. For
1: everybody out there, I think um, for those who are in the position of being educators, Listen to your students, be interested in them, uh, share in their passions, um, listen to their interests, uh, their objectives and support them. Um, They're they're our future and for students, follow your heart, um, follow what you love, be passionate. Uh, Don't be afraid of stepping into new things. Uh, every opportunity um, has its own rewards. Um, there may not always be um, opportunities that will be incredibly successful, but you will learn from them regardless. And uh, I think uh, being open to opportunity is, is a wonderful thing and can take you a long, a long, long way.
2: Yeah, I, I would simply emphasize what I said before. I think life is short um there's a big world out there to explore and then you add the previous worlds down with with geologic time and take the opportunity to travel um Mm -hmm. understand how that place came to be um and you will find your life is changed and if you can take one person with you and change their life and so on i think that's that's as good as it gets um and never lose sight of the fact that you've got this opportunity, you just happen to be alive on a dynamic planet. Think about the chances against that. It's incredible. So I think take take that opportunity and and travel. Yeah.
0: Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you very much, Caroline. Today, uh, we are in conversation with the exceptional case of uh, Nick Isles and Caroline Isles. Yes, wife and husband, both extraordinary geologists uh, living in Canada. Nick, uh, professor at the University of Toronto, Scarborough. And Caroline, professor at McMaster University, both glacial sedimentologists <laughs> and both with a passion for communicating and explaining geoscience to the public, which is what I like to do here in mini geology. And that is the main reason we have them in here in mini geology talking to all of you. So thank you very much, Nick and Carling.
2: Thank you, Daniel, and keep up the good work that you are doing. you did a fantastic job. Thank you.
0: Thank you. That is all for today. Thanks for listening to the Mini Geology Radio Show, your weekly radio show about geology here in Houston. This is Daniel Minizini, your inquisitive geologist. Write me at minigeology at gmail.com. Tweet at minigeology and send your ideas. Let me know who interview next, which kind of topics you would like to develop together in the Houston Community Station here at KPFT and see you next week on Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Bye!